Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo. Today I'm here with Glenn Fraticelli. Fraticelli, Fraticelli. I'm saying that with a Spanish accent, aren't I? Yeah, you are kind of a Fraticelli, right? So. <laughs> The, the emphasis on the syllable has to be a little different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just telling someone else, I was like, yeah, this, these are the times that it's very apparent that English is my second language. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> so as you I saw... I wouldn't know unless you said that, though. <laughs> yeah, well, th- thank you. <laughs> so, as you saw on the title, this is uh, entitled Healing Arts, The Healing Arts, and um, and Martial Arts. I think this is a title maybe later i'll call it something else but it'll definitely have healing arts in the title and i and i have glenn here before we get started i just want to throw a shameless plug for glenn um very soon i say this i said this i've been saying this more often this is not the kaju kimbo podcast i know it's kaju kimbo back there that's because i'm an instructor and i like to have it there but uh this is a social jello with angelo podcast a podcast about psychology and martial arts and um but there may be, I've heard a rumor that perhaps there is going to be an official Kajukembo podcast called Kajukembo Talk Story. Um, Glenn, do you mind kind of shedding some light on that real quick? Absolutely. So this is going to be a KSDI sponsored podcast. And the idea of Kajukembo Talk Story is to have a conversation and communication and a way to educate folks on the history and development of Kajukembo, not just by how it was told word of mouth, but by actual data, information, written history by Sijo and others, uh, advertisements. We're going and linking it way back, and we're going to follow this along, as well as have some of the key players involved with this to elaborate more on where it is today so linking the past bringing it to today and talk about the future that's what we're going to do that's cool so for anybody watching or listening stay tuned um, it's in the works the kaju kimbo talk story podcast now for this podcast i'm wearing a, a kaju kaju life uh for those people who are listening to this i'm wearing a hoodie that says kaju life but which you cannot see, well, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can't, but if you can't see, uh, Glenn is wearing formal attire today. He's wearing his white gi, and he explained to me why he does it. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, why are you wearing a white gi, Glenn? Well, if, if people see me in, in Kaju Kimmel events, or mostly any event, martial arts-wise, I wear the white gi, the old school white karate gi, and it represents the past. It represents those who came before us and put their blood and sweat in this game, in this game of Kaju Kimmel primarily, to make it where it is and, and hand it down to us. Now, I wear it. It's tattered and torn. It's kind of shredded, although mine's a little cleaner than theirs probably was because I bleach it. <laughs> I mean, it's tattered and torn just to represent the humble beginnings and where they came from. I mean, a lot of them made their geese out of rice bags and things like that, or they didn't have geese at all. So what I want to do is just remember this every time I strap this on with the black belt. Every time I put this around my waist, over my shoulders and on, I can do nothing but think about them. And I want to represent what they've done for us. That's really cool. And they say that white, the white represents integrity and purity. I think that was the, the saying, right? Is that, did I get that right? Yeah, possibly, or they probably didn't have any dye back then, so. But yeah, yeah, integrity, purity, mine is just like honoring. When I look at that, it's honoring. 
That's really cool. And then your patch. I, I'm looking at your patch here, and I, I haven't. I've seen you wear that patch. Where is it? If you don't mind me asking, uh, yeah, what, what's uh, your patch represent, brother? Well, this beautiful patch is um, one of the original, and uh, not the original, but one of the original uh, patches from Kaji Kimmel KSDI um, back in the days of Palama Settlement. Uh, there were a few iterations. This one comes from Masoyama's cover of his book, had the two characters that you see. It was Sijo's favorite book. And he had somebody design this. Now, if you see some of the group pictures of Palama uh, students or Waihiwa students, there's, there's a few of them in their jackets. They're like Letterman's jackets. Well, that's this patch in a larger scale representing where they came from. And I was, I'm under the impression that at that time they were setting up teams to go fight tournaments and they were kind of organizing then um, the KSCI and Sijo had given these jackets to them as gifts. So we had the Wahiwa group who had one jacket um, and then the uh, Palama Settlement group had another, but they all had these patches. And so this one was redone many years later, probably in the seventies, um, uh, Gary Forback wanted to redo it. So he reduced it, created a patch that was a smaller size than the original. And so not very many people wear it. Hey, this is my bread and butter right here. I love it. And it always makes me feel, you know, we have to link it back. Those roots, they're strong. We just have to keep reminding ourselves. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a dope patch. I like it. Yeah. Now, you mentioned real quick a book written by Masoyama. Did I catch that correctly? What is karate? Yes. All right. Um Okay. I probably have it, but I'm not going to bend over and dig for it right now. the book, the original, and I do have, and the cover photo, it's showing, you know, a guy in a red belt, one blocking, one kicking, and Cesar uh, loved that so much, that's where they pulled the image from. Oh, that's really cool. And then, for anybody watching this who's already a Kajukimo practitioner, they know what KSDI is, but for anybody watching this who's just happened to be, and I'm sorry... I apologize to these people who just happened to be Googling and found the show. They're like, what is going on? Like, what's yeah, happening? Yeah. <laughs> so would you mind explaining what KSDI is? Well, Kaji Kimmel Self-Defense Institute was the original uh, uh, organization of Kaji Kimmel back in the 50s. Um, there's written documentation of when it first kind of becoming incorporated or first started to be used and it was like 57 or so and that's when the Paloma settlement school started to have branches so now from a school from the Paloma school now you have an institute right you're starting to set up schools around the island All right. so that is what we carry on because that's Sijo's original organization handed to his family and we're continuing by honoring Sijo himself, as well as Kaji Kimmel's growth, its roots, and its development. And then for those of you who just so happen to haphazardly come to this as the first podcast you watched or listened to, Kaji Kimmel's a, a martial art star in Hawaii. Google it. I've done episodes about it, but Google it. That'll be much easier. I don't want to do another what is Kaji I've done enough what is Kaji Kimmel podcasts. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I'm going back to that statement. I don't want to go there. Yet. Although the story's always changing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's never the same answer to the question, but... <laughs> it never, it never. And, and it never should be. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's Kaji Kimmel. There, we answered it in two, in two minutes. <laughs> All right, so... That was good. <laughs> so, so how did you get into Kaji Kembo? How'd that, um, how'd that happen for you? 
Yeah, well, my martial arts started a long time ago. So I've been in the arts one way or the other since I was 60 years old, 54 years ago. So 54 years ago, I walked down, uh, walked into uh, our living room. We had a Christmas tree and there was a big box there. Um, and my birthday is day after Christmas. So my dad said, here's your birthday present. Six years old, right? I opened it, man. I was waiting for Rock'em Sock'em Robots or something crazy like that, right? Those old school toys. It was boxing gloves. And he says, you're going to learn to fight. Father was a boxer from Kalihi, trained at Palama Settlement, was in that whole area. He says that you're going to learn to fight and that's what you're going to do. And that is where it started. From there, I was just so intrigued. For some reason, and I don't know why, maybe it's in DNA, but I could fight, right? I could take the hit. I could give the hit. I loved it. It was good. Contact sports for me, golden. Um, from there, I... Um, I started watching movies and hanging around folks and there was this big thing called karate starting out, you know, it was like karate, kung fu, these places started popping up. And about five years into my boxing training, I saw this uh, kung fu school and I said, dad, I want to take kung fu here. You know, it's like, I, I'm ready to go. You know, it's like, you know, we heard about Bruce Lee and the Green Hornet, right? And he's like, like, no. I'm like, what do you mean? No. Yeah. What's wrong with boxing, right? Because he was a boxer. That was his, his game. He goes, I learned to box, and we were taking care of those karate guys out there. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> uh, you know, so my mom convinced him to do it, right, to allow me to go, but he didn't take me there. So I had to ride my bike six, seven miles every day because I would go class or not, and I'd go watch. Beautiful thing, beautiful thing about that is, and this is what we'll talk about when we get into healing arts, it was my first introduction to yin-yang, right, the yin-yang, because we had a demonstration and a guy comes out in a white gi buzz cut, kind of looked like me. I was doing gong fu, hapu gong fu black tiger, but it was really hard, right? Um, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, intense. He was doing more karate style. Then the next guy comes out, black satin gi, long hair, long beard, doing the same moves, soft style. And they said, this is how you learn. It's the yin yang. And so that right there showed there's some sort of balance here. There's not only one way. And that kind of intrigued me ongoing until this day. From there, I stayed for a while and I went and learned more Gong Fu from um, uh, Dok Fai Wong, who was a Chun Foot master back then. And when you say master back then, that was a master. <laughs> you know, he, was, <laughs> he, he, he was just the man. He brought her over from China. He was out of San Francisco. He'd come down to our school, our high school, and teach. I learned that. It was really cool. Started to get pretty good. And then there was this gentleman, Harry Mock, who was going around selecting folks because the tournament started to grow, selecting folks to go fight tournaments. So he's putting together a team from the best. So he had a team. He pulled me in. I was always younger than these guys. He pulled me in. Uh, I was a good fighter. I was kind of like secondary and stuff. And, you know, I was like, okay, I'm on this team. We're, we're hardcore. You know, we use the big Kempo gloves. And these are Remind me, mind you, these are point tournaments, right? <laughs> so I'm wearing these big Kempo gloves. We would, right? But back there, point tournaments is you get the point as long as you don't draw blood. So you can hit. It's like, and you don't have to wear pads. So we use them because in Enter the Dragon, Lee had him in that opening scene, right? So that being said, I wasn't very good at point tournaments because I was a boxer and I was blasting. So I thought you just hit. So I need a lot of disqualifications. From there, I continued on, and then a few years later, Harry was going to China to do some movies, right? Martial arts, movies, kind of tied with him. He's a great character, great martial arts. 
he brought me over to Fremont, California, and he dropped us off at this gentleman's house and says, hey, you're going to train with him until I get back. Well, it was a Kaiser Kimball school. And, well, that wasn't my first introduction to Kaiser Kimball as a fighting style, as an art it was. But when I was about seven years old, we used to go to Pacifica, and we used to go to my uncle's house. And we used to walk up the driveway, and every time I'd look in the windows, there'd be these images of guys doing karate. And I used, that's when I first started thinking I want to do karate. And I'd go hang out with my uncle, we'd do this, we'd do that. Well, come to find out later on, my uncle, Joe Halguna, right, one of the pioneers of Kaji Kimball, um, never trained from him. I trained with him later on, but that was like, oh, okay. Later during the years, I found that out, you know, talking to my mom, I said, yeah, that's Joe Halguna. Like, Whoa. Um, <laughs> So that being said, we trained and, and started learning Kaiju Kimball. And the unique thing about when I first started, the way our instructor taught was how to fight. Nothing else. It's just you take the skills of Kaiju Kimball, karate, wrestling. He was a wrestler. He was good. And we'd learn how to fight. And we would fight. And we would brawl. And we'd settle things. If we got an argument, he said, take it on the mat. And it was pretty hardcore. It was some interesting things. We'd go out to the mountains. We'd do some camping, but we'd be out there training. It's just like running amok at that time, thinking you were training for this great martial arts battle like you'd see in the movies, right? <laughs> so we did everything under the sun. The boxers, I'd help teach the boxing skills, the kicking skills. And then I realized this is, this is what I like, the contact. This is the martial art that's good for me. It's good because I didn't really have to hold back. Stop that point tournament game. We got into this thing called full contact karate back then. Uh, not kickboxing, it wasn't called, it was full contact karate. And we would use the, they just started getting the, the gloves, not boxing gloves, but they were like, like the chops or whatever they were called. No foot pads at the time. And um, interesting thing was one of my bouts, shin kick to the nose. I took it. I took it. Saw a double, kept trying to fight, you know, but I couldn't say, I was like, ah, this hurts. And then they called it. So I'm laying down inside the locker room. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Al Novak. I haven't, no. So Al Novak was a big person. Oh, wait, yo, yeah, Novak, yes, yes, I have. <laughs> and this is tying into the healing arts, because this, this is my first, like, impression, right? This is my first, like, wow, I want to do that. So he looks at me and he's like, oh, you're going to have to go to the doctor's then. Your, your nose is like under your eye. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. He looks on my shirt and it says Kaiju Kimball. He goes, you're Kaiju Kimball? Because he was really tied into Sijo Kaiju Kimball back then. He was one of uh, honored with a 10th degree in his Chinese arts from Sijo. And he says, oh, you're Kaiju Kimball. So he just reached his hand. He grabbed my nose and straightened it. Pop, 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 pop. And it was hurting more. You know, it was constant. He, he, he said, that's good. He goes, I saw you catch a camel. I know you could handle that. I'm like, <laughs> so, you know, that's my first thing. But in my mind, it's like, I, I want to do that. I want to be able to help people like that. That was, that was cool. I've seen that guy just, you know, put back uh, hips and all these things. He was always the one they call um, at the tournaments. Uh, and moving on from there, my martial arts, I started studying and I joined the military. So I took what I learned, I taught everywhere I went, I learned everywhere I went, continued my martial arts path. Got back to the States, the work I was doing, I wasn't out there, it was kind of like behind the scenes. Uh, I spent 30 years in the military, so 
did a lot of stateside stuff and kept falling into this Kaiju Kimba way until finally I said, you know what, I'm going to have to learn the arts. <laughs> I, I can fly, I can do all the techniques, but let's put this down and let me learn the sequences. Let me learn where it came. So that's where I started getting in touch with this development, this mindset. I was very lucky, you know, um, I was being in California, we're surrounded with um, four of the five pioneers. So we have Halguna, we have Gaylord, we have Ramos, we have Reyes. Um, Alihu Reyes passed away before I got back. It was earlier in the 70s, but then you have Ramos, Gaylord, and then you have um, Halguna. So being at Travis Air Force Base, I was very close to a few of them. Um, actually lived with uh, Algon Tony Ramos for a while. So there's a lot of insights I've got um, in my head from our com deep conversations on Kaiju Kim one development and political stuff too, right? But that's kind of my path. And I don't have, I haven't been able to have a thousand black belts like many because everywhere I go, I was there two years and I left. A year here, a year there. So I had a lot of green belts. <laughs> you know, I taught a lot and that's all. But my main thing was training. I love to teach, but I love to train, man. I love to eat that leather and I like to, to just the, the whole body movement, you know. I mean, I'm trying to last forever, right? Um, which we know we can't, so it's being smart about it. And it's kind of my path and it led me through here. It moved up the ranks, developed myself, developed my skills in parallel with the healing arts which we're going to talk about. So it's kind of like my path, you know, that's very general of it. You know, I've, um, I've been privileged to a lot in the world of Kajikim and the world of martial arts. I've been very lucky to meet up with quite a few folks and train. And that's my thing. I like to train. And you mentioned the healing arts was always kind of there. Yeah. How was that? How was that transition for you then? So like you obviously you had a, when you met Novak, did I say that right? Novak, right? Yeah, um, Alan, Novak. Alan Novak when he when he when he uh, realigned your nose after yeah. getting it essentially broken, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you you realize that's something really cool that I really want to do that one day. When did you decide to do that? How did that transition happen? Well, it was actually before that, right? So I knew I wanted to do it, but that was it in action. Okay. I know I wanted to do it, um, and this is funny because growing up I was very shy very much to myself. I would sit in my room a lot and I'd practice a lot and I'd breathe a lot and I'd try to mimic these Gong Fu guys on the movies, right? I'll, I'm talking about hours a day by myself. So I learned meditation by meditating without calling it meditation. I learned breath work by breathing without calling it breath work. I learned movement in Tai Chi without learning the movements that are prescribed in Tai Chi. I've learned all of these things, how to walk with meditation, how to walk through the park, how to, I learned all of these things and this is my balance, my peace, right? And I go train, I'd be hardcore. It, it, it was very much my way of healing myself through life because a lot of things hit you when you're young, you know? Um, and maintaining that health, and as I realized, I work with folks and someone would dislocate their shoulder. I find myself just jostling and breathing and say, breathe, relax, breathe, relax, go, go, and I go back in place. I'm like, ooh, okay. You know, it's like, how'd you learn how to do that? And I, I just say, ah, uh, yeah, some guy taught me. <laughs> Nobody taught me. It was just, I understood there's, there's, there's something about flowing. There's something about letting it go. And there's something, and I learned that from just that 
centering of myself as a young guy. And that continued. So there is where I knew this is the path. And then when Al actually did it, I, have, I said, I have to seek out a training. Because I talked to Al. And he started the Swedish Institute in New York. He started with massage therapy. And the beautiful thing about it is that's where I started, right? So many years later, I said, I said I'm going to follow that path. Um, my wife actually founded the school, one of the best schools of uh, massage therapy because it was well-rounded. It had Eastern Western therapies. Um, this started to happen when I was about the actual training when I was about 20. But before that, I was learning anatomy, physiology, kinesiology on my own, just studying and learning and studying and learning. So that transition really started as me doing it. I actually did it as a profession for many years, and I still do healing arts. Um, I work with folks all the time. Um, yeah, that transition, to, it just kind of evolved. It, it shouldn't have been separated from the martial arts, right? So I hear the stories, right? A thousand years ago, when someone would get hurt, they wouldn't go to the doctor. They would go to the master because the master of martial arts dealt with pain and healing all the time, dealt with bruises and breaks and stuff. They knew what to do because they were doing it all the time. So, you know, and that's kind of like that transition of this is what I need to do. Um, yeah. And you mentioned in there uh, the breath work. And there's something that I, I, I want to bring in. Um, so in without taking up too much time, I'll try to do this within a minute or so. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, when I, when I first started martial arts, I was really, I want to say I was more spiritually mindsetted when I started. I did a lot of my own breath work and stuff, right? And then as I got into harder styles, I stepped away from all that. As I started studying psychology and going to college, I stepped away from all that. I started getting more scientific with my approaches. Yes, yes, yes. I, wanted to, I, wanted, I wanted to experiment. And, you know, yeah. Kajikim was all about experimenting, pressure testing, right? Yeah. And, I, and that, that went into the academic world. I want to experiment. I want to see. And then at the end of that journey, um, when I ended up getting my, my degree in psychology, towards the end there, the biggest craze was something called CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And um, it was coming out in research as, and still is to this day, the most efficacious. And if you don't know what efficacious is for my listeners, it means effective. They use a different word in science and effective, not in the general sense of effective, but efficacious means that they've gotten a bunch of control groups, double placebo studies to make sure that this is working properly. And they were testing CBT techniques, specifically breathing, meditating, mindfulness, uh active meditation walking nature ex what they now call nature exposure therapy and they were testing this stuff towards actual pharmaceutical drugs they put people on pharmaceutical drugs and then they just give them non a non they give a placebo group say they hey we're giving you every, we're giving everyone the drugs <laughs> to make this to make this simple we're giving everyone the drugs but they weren't giving it to one group and they ended up finding out that these cbt techniques were in some cases do more effective than the actual pharmaceutical interventions. So it's really interesting. We talk about healing arts, right? Like this thing. And it, it brought me back to that. I was like, oh man, yeah. I was on this, this full circle. I was on to something. Yeah. I let it go. Cause I, I thought it might be woo. And then I, I come back and I wait, wait, it wasn't, woo. I need to get back into it. Oh, and, yeah. um, 
and uh, and then I ended up getting back into my into my practice. Right. But it's one of those things like you get into your practice, you get out of your practice. How's that been for you? Like you get into your practice, you do breathing work. Life gets busy. How yeah. how did you balance that? Like how how how? And I have a story to follow that up. But for you, how did you kind of balance that? How did you how did you kind of like get in and out? And how do you like set a routine for your practice? Right. So, you know, it's funny you bring that up and I did it almost the opposite. Right. So early on, it was natural. And then I said, I, I went back in when I started doing, I was so intrigued with the science, right. Anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, right. Um, I was so intrigued with why these um, ways worked. Right. So I tied them in. Um, I don't really live in balance, right? So let me tell you about my thought and right, it, it's my experience and how I go. I live in the pendulum swing because for me to be extraordinary or to do extraordinary things, I have to be way out here. When my art needs to be, when I need to learn how to fight and I need it, I just need to swing it. I need to swing it, train, but I need to come back to center. So that center is where I kind of ride for a little while to bring it. And then I come here to bring, to bring it down, right? So, um, it is a way that's just, they go hand in hand, right? And we have to be able to eat the, the, the East meets the West and the yin yang, right? So everyone gets caught up on the symbols, but that line in between is what's real, right? That merger, that meshing, that place of center. And you know, that's the pendulum right there swinging back and forth. So my idea about it is they can't be separated because I speak of chi. Doesn't mean because you don't believe in it that it doesn't in other ways run through your body. There's always a life force, there's always an energy, there's always emotion, there's always a movement, right? There's something um, that is the catalyst for life. And you call it what you want, the breath of God or whatever, you know, you call it what you want. But I'll tell you, um, my belief patterns so much in an ebb and flow that I, I can't separate it. Uh, yeah, the greatest self-defense is living harmoniously, less conflict, right? So you know how they say you come to conflict, walk away, but if you're living harmoniously, less conflict you have. Not that you'll never have it, but you know, we train hard the arts. We go into that superficial hard style. We go into that going fu. We go into all these strikes and uh, all these abilities to handle the situation when we're peaceful and harmonious within, a lot of times those situations happen less, right? Or we get that awareness and that listen to that intuition. So when I speak healing arts, a lot of people think of what I do with others, right? Or what someone does with others. I never think of someone as a healer, and this is me. A lot of says, I'm a healer. No, what it is, is I facilitate the process of healing within you. Your body knows what to do. I just have to remind it. You know, so the whole thing with this living harmoniously and, and that comes from that breath work, that comes from that meditation, that comes from that peacefulness, that comes from that suddenness. And I train it, I train it, I train it, but then I have to come back to that martial way. You know, I come here and then I go and I like, get the skills going, get the skills going, get that, you know. I, I'm very animated. I'm going to move. I got the Italian last name, right? So you can see, <laughs> move, you can see me um, in the fight, right? Because it becomes real. Um, so healing healing arts starts with healing yourself for me to work with others or help others i have to be there i have to come from the center and you don't always stay there you know it's like we think you know 
he meditates all the time. He's mindfulness all the time. No, but you know, you, you, you rub me the wrong way. My mind is in the way. And is it, you know, so then, I, but I have to take that sacred breath, that sacred pause. And this is my health, right? So that's kind of where healing arts start with me. If anyone ever trains for me, I teach them or share with them to start to work on themselves first. What are you doing to keep your life in harmony? What are you doing to keep your uh, breath in harmony? What are you doing to keep your, your actual body in harmony? What are you doing? You know, it's like, how are you balancing the body, mind, and spirit, which is everything? So that's kind of like where it starts. You know, healing arts is that, right? And so that's the first teaching, learning to sit with the breath. And I think you mentioned a really good one, Mike. And I think that's something that a lot of people that don't, and when, I, when I'm about to say this, I want to say this in the, mo in the most non-secular way possible. And I'm going to make a disclaimer. I'm not a religious person. I'll say that. But um, when we talk about mindfulness and Zen meditation techniques and, and uh, the scholarly work of, of Zen, reading about people who were enlightened before us, if you want to call it, if you want to say, if you want to put a label to this, people like, you know, the Christian version of Jesus Christ, the East version of, of the Buddha. Yes, yes. Now, when we talk about these people that were enlightened, a lot of people start, people see people talking about that and imagine then you must be really at peace, right? Uh, you must be someone who's really in harmony. I always tell people, I got anger management problems. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I have anger management problems. I have, this is why I do, <laughs> why am I breathing? Why am I trying to calm myself down? Because if I don't, I'll freak the fuck out. And someone, I'll either hurt someone. I've been lucky enough that in my life, I haven't physically hurt too many people. But as you know, doing what we do, I have physically hurt a lot of people. And I've also verbally hurt people, which I feel the worst about. The physical, I don't yeah. feel as bad because we were in a, well, most of the time we were in a situation where we both agreed to it. The verbal is what bothers me the most because both parties did not agree to that. And I'm constantly telling people that, no, I'm like, if enlightenment is a thing, I feel like at some points in my life, I was more enlightened than others. And if I don't, if I forget, if I become unconscious, as they say, in, um, in these practices, we talk about conscious and versus unconscious. And when I say this for the people listening, I don't mean like sleeping and awake, but I kind of do where you're kind of just going through life's motions unconsciously, going into work, getting back, and it turns into this routine. And, ooh, uh, that's, that's the old school ringer, man. <laughs> that's the old school ringer. I like that one. <laughs> that, that was my phone. Give me one second. I can't. I can't oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. So, so, yeah, um, when, when, like I was saying earlier, uh, there's this thing about being unconscious. You get through your routines, and then suddenly, when you ignore that, you blow up. Or I don't know you. I should say me. I blow up. I ignore that. I, I fall out of alignment. I end up hurting the people closest to me. I end up saying something hurtful. And I, I tell the people closest to me now, hey, when I get like that, stop me and tell me I'm doing it. Because one thing I've read when I started getting really deep into anger management like books, reading books on anger management was that it's suffering from anger management is a weird way of suffering from social anxiety. Whereas the average person says, I feel anxious. I feel nervous. I feel scared as a martial artist. We don't like scared. 
we don't like that vulnerability. So we will flip it as the yin yang, right? We're going to grab that, that and turn it into fire. Yeah. And, and that can be dangerous. To the, even if it's not physical, even if it's just verbal, I think, again, I think it's, I think it's really bad when it's verbal. Cause again, it's, it's the people we love that get hurt. So like, again, get right. down, right. Right. No, you, you really should. And, you know, there's a technique I always use and um, it's helped me and it's just that sacred pause. Right. So it's taking that breath, centering for a moment before you even respond. Right. So sometimes the best response, no response or the absence of that momentary, uh, you know, um, um, reaction is good, even in the art. So many times I almost went, you know, and, and, and I'm talking, did a strike or really went and, and I just had to take that pause and it kind of, everything just kind of fell into place. Um, you know, you think about martial arts and how we train to react spontaneously. Sometimes you listen to intuition, you get that feeling. And that's part of the healing arts too. You develop that intuition greatly because, you know, you know when it's go time, right? And you're, sometimes you should be going before they even attempt. You know, the old Kaiser came away, man, hit, hit our head fast at first. But... That sacred pause, right? Especially when it's verbal, you know, because the damage it can be devastating and la- everlasting, right? Yeah. Um, because it takes a lot to unfold and unwind and remove those layers because we all had them, have them. You know, I, I work through things every day, right? But it's just, that's why it's called a practice, not a perfect. <laughs> yeah. We practice yeah. it every day. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the things that, um, that I'm always reminding myself when I see myself getting becoming unconscious is focusing back into the now what am i doing right now what am i looking at what's happening because you like it's really easy to project yourself into the past and dwell on the past and it's really easy to project yourself into the future as well people think okay i'm not going to think about the past but then your 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 monkey mind is interesting because it's going to grab that and say okay well let's not think about the past let's think about the future let's worry about the future let's let's think about what's going to happen next and totally forgetting that whatever's going to happen next, you got to focus on what's happening right here to get there. And it's Absolutely. happening right now. Right. So like, and the better the next will be, if you're in the now making it as good as you can and experiencing that. Right. So yeah. it's never about destination. It's always about the journey. Exactly. And you've already yeah, arrived yeah, and you've already yeah. arrived. Yeah. Something yeah. I keep telling this myself. is the only thing. That's real. <laughs> yeah. right? Illusion, right. Or interpretation yeah. of an illusion. Yeah, we all differently. You know how it goes. I mean, but the beauty of the healing arts and the martial arts is just that if you and a lot of folks will be proud of their titles, and then you look at their life and their way of being and how they are with people. It's like, oh, you could fight, you could throw the blood, but what is a true artist, right? Of life, martial artist, right? And that encompasses that centeredness, that encompasses that that way of if someone gets hurt, I can help them that way too, right? I, I, I you know, I'm not saying if someone uh, gets shot, I'm going to be able to plug it up. But I know ways of like a first aid at le- to at least that level in many ways and even more. And I've, I've, I've practiced that and I have it in my mind to be able to help those situations, especially in the games we play, man. You hurt somebody, it's like, oh, what do I do? Oh, my gosh, get some ice for everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, the healing arts was in the martial arts way back when, and I could even go back, it, it could have been in Kajigembo. So if you think about it, in 1930, uh, Okazaki in Hawaii actually had his, what they called massage, because that was what is acceptable in this area. And it, it did a lot of things. 
Um, and, and he taught that in his art. He kept it. Now, I'm going to read you something that's pretty interesting. And this is an advertisement 1947 in the Honolulu Star. Natural Health and Beauty Institute for Health, Neuralgia, Rheumatism, Asthma, Nervousness, Tiredness, Constipation, Backache, Headache, Insomnia, for Beauty, for Beauty Form, for Baldness, for Gray Hair. Contact Professor James Matosi. Now, can you imagine if he would have taught that and it would have been just carried into Kajigamo? And I, I had never heard of him teaching it, but I know he would advertise about it. That's about all I know. So, you know, I mean, it's like the healing arts were always there, uh, more so in ancient times, which wherever that is. A lot of arts kept it, uh, but we really lost it. Um, and it's a very important part. You have to know, we're in this, we're going to get injured. Our students are going to get injured. Um, they're going to injure themselves should know what to do, at least at a first level. Um, and that's the, the entry level of martial arts, right? So what I like to do is go into schools and I'll teach them how to do some shiatsu work. Now I've developed a very simple way shiatsu form that is based off of uh, a shiatsu that came from Japan. In fact, in my healing arts, right? I want to go down this path really quick and I'm sorry. No, 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 please, please do. I started at a massage school, right? So when I was there, I learned, I got really intrigued because it was, a thousand hours of training, 500 east, 500 on the west, western modalities. You learn about the uh, proprioception and, and neuromuscular stretching, and you learn about uh, uh, soft tissue work and massage of all types of modalities from Swedish to very specific for injuries. Then on the other side, you learn about qi and yang, five phase theory. You learn about uh, um, um, energetic balancing, you learn about breath work, all these things that I was experimenting with, right? So I was all into that. So I stayed there. I got it. I started a good practice. Ah, I started teaching there. I became a teaching, teacher there. And I said, you know what? I need to enrich my skills. So I went to an acupuncture school for one year just to learn, just to learn the, the, the theory and practice because I was still teaching at the school. I didn't want to be an acupuncturist. My goal was to continue in that path, but I wanted to teach. So I wanted to really know so I started developing curriculum for this school and I started writing their shiatsu programs and expanding on it and enhancing it and developing it, added, you know, Tai Chi in there and just uh, basic ways. But what I was good at was the balance of East and West. For many years as I taught, I then became the director of education and I started kind of, you know, basically running the school in a sense. But I realized that there is a communication way there is a language that the West can hear when you talk about Eastern ways. If you go into five-phase theory, chi, and all this, it's like, what? <laughs> what are you saying? But if you talk about other ways or talk in other ways to express it, it becomes like, oh, I get that. Or if you give them experiences of it, right? And if you bring it down to like, it's nothing mystical. I don't have this chi and I throw it into your body like and you know I think it's the same in the martial arts, right? It's just energy is a catalyst. Energy for something to really be alive or anything, it has to have an energy base. What you call it, at what level it is, and it starts from uh, non-specific to specific. If you can influence it along the way, you can change its trajectory. If you can change its trajectory, 
in the body by a touch, by scaring someone, the body changes, right? You know how sometimes you just go to somebody and you say, yeah, and they're like, things change. They tighten, they, they, you know, it's a change. But if you go up to somebody and you touch and you, you know, if, if they have full confidence in you, if you have good respect, it's, it's like the mother's hand. For some, that's not good. For others, it's good. But it's that nurturing and the ability to facilitate this mind to start to investigate. So now you're going to the Western way. I'm touching here. What does that do? I know there's a touch because my mind felt it. What happens physiologically? My body starts to investigate what's going on there. And if it's a little bit of pain, my body starts to send endorphins. The blood starts to flow. This is all healing properties. You start to work it and know what's under your hand and you do it in a specific manner, then real change starts to occur, right? So just by me pushing into this area, working, having you breathe, you relax more, right? So you breathe, you relax, tendons, blood flows, all of these healing properties, uh, lymph starts to flow, cleaning things out and you're working your breath, and you both relax, and their mind starts to calm, you're healing, man, you know? And that's where it starts. And that's as simple as it, it could get. It's so simple that it's difficult. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I like to go into schools, and I will teach. What I do is I'll say, hey, I'll give you a freebie. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to teach you guys a back sequence. So you can lie on You can do a back shiatsu sequence. I'm going to talk to you about pressing and softening the tissue. You're going to prepare the space. You're pre just like you would in martial arts. You're preparing the battle space, right? You're starting to, so you work with their breath. You know, you start to get their flow, and you start to feel, and then you start to press and soften, and they relax because you're working in synchronization. It's harmonious flow, right? Just like in martial arts, right? You can get that dance going on, bam, right? So you start to get that, and you're flowing, you're flowing, and they're relaxing, and it's changing, and oh, you feel that area, and you stay there a little bit. And then you start to do the point work, you know, just by knowing the specific things. You do that after class with your classmates in your school, in your dojo, pretty soon, hey, man, my hips bother me. Okay, let me do some softening. Let me do some point work. You start to, you know, that's your healing arts. And then that's the, that's the entry level, right? So that, that's a beautiful thing that at least I think many martial arts should know. Martial artists should know. Um, I'd love to see it start to come back into the schools. I'd like to see it, as, you know, there's so many stripes that people have on their belts. I'd like to see one of them being their healing art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be so, so cool, right? So, you know, so so there's advancement to it where you could actually do katas, right? So you could do sequences, do forms of a shiatsu form on somebody's body. So if it's nothing specific, you're going to want to balance the flow of energy, the movement of chi, the movement of, or just relax them. It doesn't matter. One hour of work, just flowing, going through the whole body, getting the right points, getting the right push, getting the right pressure, getting the right everything, working with the breath, working with the breath. And if you have a good, solid, grounded breath, theirs will start to synchronize, you know, and start to find these areas. And then there's a specific work. I know there's a shoulder issue. I got all that in my head. So we could teach how to do that. Um, you got, you look at the phases of an injury, you know, there, there's all these things and I go on forever because this is like a 20 hour class, right? There's phases of an injury, right? You have the introductory, that entry, that, that first hit, it's hot, it's like fire. It's red, it's swelling, it's, it's stinging. What do you do with fire? You don't put your hands in it. So I work over here and I get the body to start to respond and bring some of that blood this way and bring some of that lymph this way to calm this down. Then after a while, you know, it goes into different phases of healing. Then you say, hey, it's cold now. It's cooling. So let me get some heat there. Let me get some warmth there. Let me get some things there that will start to allow it to continue its motion. That's why we get stuck in the cycle of a reoccurring injury. 
we get it to a point where it doesn't hurt, but deep down inside, it's not healed. It's not aligned correctly. It's not aligned properly. It doesn't, your mind starts to limit its motion even more than the body will because, oh, I start, oh, no, I can't, oh, I, you know, and that causes injuries in itself. So those are the things like I'd love to share, um, but those are the things that we should be knowing, right? And like I said, it starts with the self, then we can work with others, you know, and I tell you, it's, it's such a peaceful game. Um, but it's a lot of work, like everything else. You want to have a good punch, you want to punch a thousand times, you get that one right. You want to do good uh, uh, shiatsu work, you want to hit that point a thousand times, you get that one right. But once you get that one right over and over, you realize it's that point and everybody's different. Just like that punch, it's not going to be the same each time. Um, and, and there's so many parallels to the arts. Um, the engagement of that, that process of facilitating health, um, that it, it, it's just, they should be inseparable. And how did you, so I'm going to share a story about what happened to me when I first got more into, when I, when I, I, I kind of left you off when I told you, I, I got back into psychology. I realized that breath work's really important. Yeah. I realized that taking care of myself and my center is really important. I fall in and out of that, you know, I'm only human, but Right. At one point, when I first discovered that, what I, what I like to say, when I started becoming very conscious again um, of what was of the people around me and who I was with, I got into interpretive dance, and everybody made fun of me, like, "Why are you, <laughs> what are you doing interpretive dance for?" And, it was, yeah. and if you've ever seen interpretive dance, it's it's, it's uh, it, the interpretive dance in action is a wild looking thing. Um, it doesn't they don't use music sometimes. And if they do, it's really awkward sounds. And right. um, so I start, you know, of course, trying to tell anybody. I, I was almost, I was embarrassed at first to tell people that I was doing interpretive dance. Cause it wasn't, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. It wasn't something I, I was going to sign up for. I just took a few, a course to fulfill a, a college requirement. And, <laughs> and I guess, you know, I'm, I doing a, I'm doing a, a performance on stage and my was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, but it's funny that I fell in love with this thing that nobody could understand. It was like Kaja Kembo all over again. I fell in love with Kaja Kembo, but nobody who was not a martial artist understood it. And now I fell in love with this new thing, and nobody understood that. Not even the Kaja Kembo guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, your wife, your wife is letting you move around with other bodies like this, and like yeah. it has nothing to do yeah. with that. <laughs> but, like, but it was weird that when I got so into it, because in interpretive dance, you have to really be in sync with yourself and sync with the other person, just like martial arts, but it was no longer about hurting them. It was about being in sync to make sure they don't hurt themselves. Cause we're doing these crazy moves where we're like throwing a person in the air and catching them and stuff. So like, I have to really be in sync with my partner. Sometimes there would be no sequence. I literally have to sit there and flow what they call free flow and they're moving around. I have to make sure they don't get hurt and I don't get hurt while doing it. And this experience almost made me quit martial arts. I had this weird epiphany during one of my interpretive dance things where I'm like, I've been hurting people. This Because the instructor's like, you're really good at this. You really, I want you to take the advanced. Yeah. That's how I went from a basic dance class to the advanced and doing a performance in interpretive dance. The, the, the instructor right. was also a, a judoka. And she okay. was like, and she was like, you're really good at this. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I do martial arts. She's like, oh, well, me too. And some of the stuff we're doing is actually judo. I'm like, oh, oh, I really got into it. Right? But 
I had this weird epiphany while I was working once and I started, I broke down and started crying at the end of class. And everyone was like, why is he, what's this guy's having a breakdown? Why is this guy having a breakdown? And I explained like all the students left and I told the teacher, I'm like, I've been hurting people. This thing that I now love that we're doing to express ourselves and help others. And we're helping each other and we're healing and we're talking about, uh, past trauma because that's what happens i don't know how it happens but that's what happens you're working with the body and the mind starts coming in yes. and we'd have these conversations about past trauma and we're just really open created this ohana if you will yes. and dance and i thought about how i've been hurting people I'm like oh my gosh all these skills that i gave, i went the other way i started this heart style and i used these skills to hurt others and i felt guilty and i went into my seafood at the time like i think i'm gonna have to stop sparring they're like what <laughs> like, everyone, what? <laughs> so eventually i got around it and found a way to continue to do what i do without the guilt but how did you handle that i don't know if you went through a similar experience or how did you go through this from healing to hurting like how do you how do you how do you work with that in your in your mind well i've always been super compassionate right so at least last thing i wanted to do was hurt um first of all i didn't want to get myself hurt too so part of the martial arts was that i remember playing football um, I didn't want to get hit. People thought I was just, you're good. I said, no, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm not good. I'm scared. And that's why no one would ever touch me. And plus, you know, I had the martial arts ability, right? And I, I used to run track and all that. But I mean, I would much rather, and my first lesson to my students is reach out my hand to help you up than close my fist to knock you down. That's power. Right. When I can help another human being up, I feel strong. I feel like I can help. This is this is strength. Knocking someone down is when you're at your last wits. That's like uh, that's the raw form of, you know, and you, and you talk and you look 30 years of war. Right. I mean, I, I'm such on a pendulum swing <laughs> that, you know, you know, belonging to this war machine um, that we've been busy the whole time I was in. And this whole other side, when I go home and I just center and I would help people. And this is why I got into the healing arts. And this was even during my military career. It just to be able for somebody to say, oh, I don't feel pain anymore. And that would give me less pain. Or, oh, my gosh, I couldn't move like that. Really. My headache's gone, you know, and it wasn't anything magic. What it was was the compassion and the working through and figuring it out. They gave me this like peacefulness. Then, you know, you go train, you train. So the training part of me is, <laughs> I, like I said, that pendulum swings, right? So I'll go in there and I love physical sports. I play softball, you're going to get hit somehow. <laughs> somehow I'm running into you. It's just, you know, uh, I, I'll play golf when it becomes full contact. So I just like, I, now, right? and as I get older, like I said, you know, I'll be 60 in about a week. We have to learn to have that pendulum swing back. So not only heal, helping others heal, we need to always heal ourselves. You know, you see the martial artist, 50 years of training, can barely walk. You know, and self-defense is first healing, right? Taking care of yourself. That's a self-defense. So it's never too late, but you got to do some catching up. Um, we have to find that balance within so I never had that real, oh, the martial arts is causing me to hurt someone because in my heart, I never wanted to hurt anyone. 
in my heart, I wanted to really help and learn this skill because if I ever have to defend my loved ones or others, I'm on. It's there. We're going, right? But that's not my heart. And that's why, and believe this, and I never tell anyone this, right? A lot of people out there probably say, oh my gosh, that's bullshit. I have never, because of conflict and argument, fought another person. I'm not saying I never got into scuffles. I used to work as a doorman. I used, and I was in some good brawls, <laughs> martial arts against martial arts, testing the skills. I did have my contact, so it's not about, you know, and I say that from the ego, right? Everyone says, oh my gosh, you did no. We all do that, right? But that's the truth. But as far as, in fact, I don't think there's ever been a, besides wife's girlfriend, or wife, one of my, sorry, wife, <laughs> wife, girlfriend. I've never had an um, argument with people. I don't, you know, it's like, I tend to find that way of giving and receiving and understanding that I can't ex accept the experience of you as truth, I have to experience myself. So I can't expect others to expect my experience or accept it. They have to experience themselves. So when I say something and they don't agree, it's like, okay, yeah. So, and, or, you know, it's like, and I tell you, being in the military was a hard game, right? So we started off, you know, 18 years old, I ran into boot camp and was, they were on me. They were on me, like, you know, just crazy. I was always a little built. They were, uh, you think you're something. Every time someone got in trouble, they punished me. Just took a few deep breaths, and I rolled with it, right? It was good. It was like, okay, I can handle Physically, I can handle anything. Um, so I never had that. It's always I've had a quiet heart a lot. I, uh, and it just, uh, lonely. Yeah, I've been by myself in, in my mind way back when. In many of my travels and many of my military work, it was solo, right? So, I mean, that's just me. <laughs> but, you know, I, and that's why healing arts is very important to me. And if folks could, and, and I always say, start with yourself. You know, start with your breath, right? So that's the only thing we're given is one breath. Inhale on birth, exhale on death. In between, it's up to you, right? Is that beautiful sacred pause? Is that beautiful just like, if you could just synchronize the mind and the body, it's like Tai Chi Chuan, you know, Tai Chi Chuan is moving meditation, synchronizing mind, body, and spirit, right? So inhale, exhale, no specific moves, just do it while walking. You know, I walked, I worked with this one guy that was gonna teach me Tai Chi when I was 17 years old, I was impatient, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm running Tai Chi Campbell, you know, I mean, I'm good, I know how this walk. So I went to San Francisco, me and my friend, we walked with him and we walked to the park. I said, good, I'm ready to go. You know, I had my little backpack with my stuff. I didn't know what Tai Chi was. We go there and we walked and sat and talked. We went to eat. Next, didn't do anything. Next day we got up. I said, oh, we're going to get up early. And then we went. And I said, when are we going to learn Tai Chi? He goes, oh, we've been doing Tai Chi. He goes, when you walk, you breathe. When you reach, you be mindful. You flow. You, you know, he said, this is, he goes, now let's do it differently today. And we walked, and everything I did, I'm like, golden. I don't have to be any specific place. The world is my dojo, right? Here I am, and everything I do, and in every way about it, it's just mindful, right? And then you get off that, right? Sometimes it's not, and you get a little off too. But like you said, we bring it back, but it's mindful. So, uh, you know, that meditation, moving meditation, mindfulness, all of these things bring yourself to the center. If you get folks to be there also, they start to heal. You know, healing starts with the mind, right? You know, the body will, it's amazing. 
But if this right here is off, you know, if you're stuck. And like you said, you know, doing the dance and you just felt like caring for someone sometimes got emotional, you know, those emotions get stuck in the body. And when things release, they come up. Why? Why are there tears in my eyes? It was stuck there, man. Something triggered it. And it don't delve in. Just let it flow. Let that beautiful emotion, which is so important in life, just go through its cycle. Because, you know, one day tears turn to laughter and laughter turns to anger. And it just goes. It has to. You know, if you suppress it, though, it'll come out another day. It'll come out as anger. It'll, or you'll change that fear, right, into anger. That fear changes to anger real quick. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. You know, but it's like that sacred pause and really evaluate what's real and what's this past illusion coming into my mind about what might be going on. How many times have we worried so much about something and when it happened, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I cracked up when I do that. I, you know, I, that, I'm not the monk, right? And I don't want to be the monk. I experience life, right? I drink my wine. I drink my tea. I drink some more wine. I enjoy this. I enjoy that. I'll cuss. I'll do that. I never want to be one extreme, but I know that I have monk-like qualities, right? And what does that mean? I have the ability to be at peace with myself. I have the ability to be in touch with whatever we want to interpret this as up here, right? That whole connection, body, mind, and spirit. That's the beautiful thing, right? And when I can breathe in a field with nothing around me and be happy, I'm good. Right? That's kind of yeah. like my piece, right? I always say that. Finding find, find your center, right? And that, I think that's, um, again, if anybody listening to this, before we wrap up, if there's any message I can give to people that are wondering about the healing arts and mindfulness, it's not about religion. It's not about that. It's about finding yourself. And if you think you're not capable of this, I remember I said that to, uh, I was with uh, someone who practiced uh, Buddhism and they were, they were studying a lot of the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, for those of you that don't know, he was, he's a refugee, came from Vietnam, escaped the war and uh, went through a lot of shit to avoid being persecuted for following his beliefs in Buddhism. But long story short, there were Thich Nhat Hanh, practitioner and they told me i told they told me about their practice and i went to the temple i I got to hear him speak and the whole time i never went inside i just felt like i couldn't go inside the temple like i didn't belong i didn't deserve to be in that space so i just sat outside and uh worked on my meditation techniques with my friend and um later i told i told another friend of mine she said you know, I said, I really like this, but you know, they're talking about being vegetarian and they're talking about this stuff that I just can't do. Therefore, I can't be, I said, I just can't. I love this, but I can't. I just can't. And, um, and I said, I didn't even say it to her. I just said that in general. And then um, she turned around to the group that we were with and she said, you know, Angela says that he can't, but I just want to let him know that he doesn't have to. <laughs> and I, I, those words and, yeah. she, and this this girl in the group was young i was like i was already she was she must have been like in her early 20s and i was in my 30s talking about how i just can't I'm like, i can't i yeah, can't I and, and she says no you you are she said you're doing it stop yes. being so hard on yourself yes 
And I think you know, that's what I, we do, right? You did that with meditation <laughs> practice, right? So when I share with folks meditation, the first thing they say is, I can't stop your thoughts. I said, I can't either, and you never will. <laughs> I go, it's not about stopping thoughts. It's not about, it's about not grasping on and hanging on to them. Let them fly by like clouds. I go, but you'll find out there will be moments between those thoughts that come more frequent. And that's a space where magic happens. That's a space when you're in touch with whatever you really are without being interpreted through your mind. That moment, which is valuable, the more that happens, the more great things start to happen peacefully within your body because that's where your temple is right here. You know, you sit anywhere. You can take that sacred breath. I can go into a meditative state in a breath. Just... And just the beauty of everything around me just like enhances. And that's because of practice. Doesn't take a lot of time, doesn't take a lot, it takes a lot of effort, right? Practice, practice. But it's like that punch, right? You can throw a punch right now. It's just, why? Because you did it a thousand times. Well, meditate when you can. Five minutes is just like an hour because the illusion of time, you know, is, is amazing. You know, you just think if you got five minutes to just breathe and no, don't really grasp on, pretty soon those thoughts will flow. You'll find moments between them, which you won't even realize, but you ask about them. I didn't think, I, you know, that's the whole mind trying to make sense of the senseless because there's no sense there, right? There's no sensing. And that's what we try to get away from. If we could do that every now and then, you get in touch with some deep, beautiful stuff. And you have good love for people and everything that lives, right? And respect. And that's what you do. We have to survive, right? So you got to eat that meat. You got to cut that steak if that's your thing, right? Uh, but... It's about not disrespecting, not killing just to kill, you know, not doing all those things, not harming just to harm, you know. I've learned, you know, in Thailand, it was beautiful. I was sitting at a restaurant. There was a bug on the table. My friends were about to, you know, the old American, get the shoe off and smash it. You guys know. He came, picked it up with a napkin, put it outside. He said, we don't kill here in Thailand like that. We don't believe in that. I'm like, this is where I need to be. <laughs> you know, in, in the, not in Thailand, but in that space over here. I don't do that just to do that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um I think that's a really good place to to wrap it up. I think you think you I think you tied it in really yeah. well. Um but before we do the official wrap up now we're in the official wrap up mode. I, there's, there's not music playing during this but there's music <laughs> playing in the YouTube video. I'll pretend it's playing. I'll pretend we can hear it. Um before we wrap up brother, is there anything you want to promote um or anything you want to mention? to anyone listening uh, before we finish up? Well, you, you know, I mean, we all need some sort of healing, right? So find your place at it within, if you're a martial artist or not, right? It doesn't mean just martial arts, but we all need some self-work, whether it be just the breath. We all need some work with the body. We all need some work with the mind, body, spirit balance. Do your work. Take some a little bit of time. Um, if you're in the martial arts, I say, you know, get in touch with healing arts and helping others. Don't use these wonderful tools just to destroy. Use them to help bring things back to balance for yourself, understand, and for others. Find a place where, you know, it's not about the healer, where it's about the knowledge of health and the knowledge of caring, the knowledge of um, bringing everything to balance as it should. That's kind of it, man. I just, yeah. <laughs> no, that, 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 that is it. I think that would be it. If there was ever an it, that is it. 
Well, Glenn, thank you so much for being on the show. For my listeners, um, I should have said this first. I probably didn't. Please subscribe, (laughs) hit like, and (laughs) smash that notifications button an hour later if you stuck around this long. This is why I don't have that many subscribers, man. (laughs) But either way, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And, um, And I release two of these a month. Uh, sometimes more, but usually two of these podcasts a month. So just stay tuned for the next one. Social Jello with Angelo, not the official Kaju Kimbo podcast, a podcast about psychology, martial arts, and today about healing. And I'll catch you all next time. Peace.